As Father mentioned, this year we've been reading from the Gospel of Mark. That's because we have a three-year cycle of readings. But Mark is a very short gospel, and it's almost impossible to spread it out over a year. The passages would be too short. And so now we have dropped in this, in this year of Mark a five-week period of time in which we read from the sixth chapter of John. Now, since we read only the first part of this chapter today, we might think that it's just another miracle story. But in fact, it touches off the Lord's great teaching on the Holy Eucharist. So listen to the gospel very carefully over the next few weeks to see how Jesus brings the listener from a miracle story to that great challenge of faith, a challenge over which he was willing to lose all of his disciples, the challenge of his real presence in the Holy Eucharist. This was the time when he asked for belief when belief seemed impossible. For my flesh is true food, the Lord says, and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. No wonder we will read that many of his disciples, many of his disciples said, this saying is hard, who can accept it? And when all had left except for the twelve, Jesus turned to them as well and said, Do you also want to leave? But today, we see the very beginning of the story in John chapter 6, when Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish for the 5,000 who had gathered to hear his teachings, gathering because they heard of his healing of the sick. And I want to take a different approach today than I usually do. I often try to tell a personal story in order, hopefully, to bring an ancient story up to the present day so we can get a better understanding of it. But I kind of want to do the opposite. I want to take you here and put you back in the past and make you present at that miracle. Just imagine, you have been raised in a religious society, but you're living under an oppressive pagan government. It's not uncommon for you to walk into town and see along the sides of the road rows of crosses with people being crucified on them. Imagine having to bring your children past that on a regular basis. You're living in a culture which at times to you can seem hopeless, but you have the faith of old. You know the law. You know and practice the rituals of the law. You know of God's provision, and you also know the prophecies, the promise of deliverance, the sworn promise of Almighty God, that one who was descended from David the king would someday sit upon his throne in Jerusalem and would reign forever. But you'd wonder, who would that king of David be? How will we recognize him? And then you hear of Jesus. You know, as we saw in the Old Testament reading today, that the prophets would occasionally perform miracles. Occasionally. But this man that you hear about goes from town to town, healing the sick, giving sight to the blind, enabling the lame to walk, and casting out demons, and giving speech to the mute, forgiveness to the sinner. Here is one who made water 
become wine and who literally can walk on water. So today you're one of the 5,000 eager to hear him. You have followed him, followed him all around the Sea of Galilee, not wanting to lose sight of him. It's springtime. And around here, springtime might mean four feet of snow. But in the Holy Land, springtime is usually rather hot. And here you out are out in the desert, basically. And there's no roadside water coolers or lemonade stands. And no food truck followed the crowd. But you don't mind. You haven't even noticed. Because you want to be near Jesus. Here is the one of whom the people would say, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. And as the gospel reading tells us today, they wanted to come and carry him off and make him the king. And you find yourself taken up, captured by Jesus, seized by the desire to be with him always. And you find yourself thinking, this is the one who will restore the kingdom. This is the one who will overthrow the Romans and free us from oppression. Is it any surprise that a miracle like this had such a reaction? 5,000 hungry people had been fed, filled to capacity when Jesus blessed the five loaves and the two fish and gave them to the people. You yourself would marvel to see 12 wicker baskets filled with the leftover fragments that the people simply could not eat. Francis of Assisi once said, You cannot preach the gospel to empty stomachs, but your stomach is full, and the stomachs of all the good people around that holy mountain are full as well. You're ready to follow Jesus wherever he leads, wherever he goes. You're ready for anything ready to make him king, ready to die for him. But Jesus wanted those hungry people in the gospel to experience their hunger so that they would learn to depend on him, to satisfy not so much their physical hunger, but their most important hunger, the hunger they had for God. He wanted them to realize that only he could fill their deepest needs and desires. Only he. Jesus knew their natural hunger, and he knows ours. But he wants to show us that spiritual hunger is more fundamental than any physical hunger that we may have. He wanted them, and he wants us, to accept his teachings in their entirety. How risky it is to look to Jesus for only physical food and earthly desires and prosperity when he has another food in mind, the only food that can satisfy our deepest hungers. The food of Jesus is the gift of his very self, the Eucharist, the food we are starving for. Jesus gave in abundance 12 baskets of leftovers, and with care the apostles gathered them up so nothing would go to waste. Should not their example of deep respect for the most ordinary food, barley loaves, teaches how much more there needs to be respect for the Holy Eucharist, the bread of life, the cup of eternal salvation. This food from this altar 
And only this food can satisfy our every spiritual hunger. We know about basic needs, and at times we obsess about them. But how much more we should be aware of spiritual ones and grow in our awareness of our complete dependence upon Jesus who comes to us in the Holy Eucharist in order to feed our deepest hunger, which is the hunger for his love. You have placed yourself in this story. Now prepare yourself for the next few weeks. Do not step out of that story of feeling that you are there. As you hear it unfold, ask yourself, what part are you in that? See how it all connects. And remember this. Jesus is God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, and he is the Lion of Judah on the throne. He is the conqueror of sin, death, and hell, and he rose triumphantly from the dead. And you know this. You know how the story works out, unlike the people of those days who did not yet know that he would rise. And so we must believe, we must believe and accept every word that comes forth from the mouth of Christ our Savior. What are your hungers? What are your deepest hungers? Ask the Lord Jesus to give you an even greater hunger for him, for the life only he can give, and for the food of which he says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For if we turn in faith to this food, which is Jesus, our deepest spiritual hungers will be satisfied, and our greatest thirst will be quenched. <laughs>